Bible today to First Peter chapter number one, Second Peter chapter number one. Like First Peter, Second Peter, yeah, Second Peter. We were in First Peter a while back. We're into Second Peter now. And I noticed yesterday I was over at, um, at Albert Sidney's house, and they have these verses on their walls. And so I was going to take a picture and show you their walls and things and how they got it listed there. But I didn't do that. But um, literally, and this morning as I dive into this message today, I sincerely believe that God's people, and those of you in this room, most of you I know pretty well, I really don't think anyone here doesn't want to grow in the Lord. I think, we, I think everyone in this room would say, I love God, I love the Lord. And I want to do better in my life than what I'm doing. I think everyone feels that way. Now, our actions don't always show what we feel, but I really sincerely believe everyone wants to do the best that we can. I don't think anyone sits in here like, I want to mess up today. I don't think anybody says that or says things like that. I think at the end of the day, every Christian wants to grow. I really do. But then we look at our lives, and a lot of times our growth is hindered. And why is our growth hindered? And our theme for the year is growing in Christ. And I sincerely believe that if we'll take heed to today's message and what I, and then next, it's going to be three weeks till I get back to this passage. Because next week we have a Sanctity of Life Sunday and we're going to have um, Life Loves, their group with us here next week. And I'll be preaching a message on the Sanctity of Life. Then Brother Young is here for I Love My Church Conference. So it'll be three weeks Unless the Lord returns and I'll let him return and you can, we can hear him preach on this in heaven or teach us the rest of it. But look at what happens. I want you, our verse today is verse 5 through 7. But I want you to look at verse 8 and 9 before I get into the message. Look at what it says. For if these things be in you, what things? Well, look at our text today, verse 5. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. So the these things mentioned in verse number 8 are those things. See it? So if these things be in you and abound, the thing is if you're a child of God, a lot of these things are there already from the Spirit. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But if these things be in you and you abound, and abound, they make you that ye be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if these things are in you and you are doing them, you will grow and bear fruit. You see that right there? Then keep reading. Look at verse number 9. But if they, if that lacketh, the, but he that lacketh these things is blind. Do you know there are Christians that go through their Christian life not being able to see a very far off and kind of spiritually struggling? Why? Because they lack these things. And it, and so well, maybe these people aren't saved. No, 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 no. Just keep reading. They cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his sins. So you see, if these things are in you, and you're doing these things, you're going to grow and bring forth fruit. If you, ha- if you have these things, 
but they're lacking in your life, you're spiritually going to be struggling. Now, we could go to Hebrews chapter number 5 and 6, and you'll see the Bible talks about immature believers. Those that have, they've gotten saved, or their case may be, but they haven't left the first principles of God. So they, you know, they mess up, and they're like, oh, i got to get saved again. And the Bible says, no, you've already been saved. You can't do that again. But the problem is you haven't grown at all, so you're reverting back to those things, which this passage tells us that if we have certain things in place and we're doing them, we're not going to forget the fact that we've been saved, and we're going to grow in the Lord. So in all reality, today what we look at is what we need to help us grow. Now you might say, how do I get these things? Well, we'll go there before I give you the actual things, okay? Now go back to verse number one of this passage. Verse number one. And you say, Pastor, short. I know, so I've got to make up for it with all the extra stuff. Verse number one, Simon Peter, an apostle, or a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Look at what it says. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So what is the faith? You see that it is in the right, through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We can sing that song, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. You see, my faith today is not built upon my works and what I've done to get where I'm at in life. The faith that's been given to us is a like, we all have that faith when we get saved. It's a like precious faith for all of us. When you get that faith is the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you are trusting in him for salvation, not in yourself. That is the foundation. Now we keep reading. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When you get saved, you have that foundation of faith. With that foundation of faith, the moment you get saved, the Spirit of God moves inside. And God gives us two things to help us grow. Number one, his spirit. His spirit has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Not some things, all things. So what we're going to look at today and these steps to growth, you cannot produce it by yourself. Because the spirit of God has given you all things that pertain, right? So you have for growth, you need the spirit of God. And number two, you need the word of God. Verse 4 says, Wherefore, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Where do those promises come from? The book. So to grow, you need two things. You need the Holy Spirit of God, and you need the Word of God. If you are a child of God today, guess what? You have the Spirit of God inside of you. And I'm pretty sure, let me see. You got your Bible there? Let me see. Yes, I see, I see some there. And some of you are using your tablets and things. I, I love that you can pull up the Bible just about anywhere. Just don't be playing video games right now, okay? Make sure you're, make sure you're looking at the Bible if you've got your app or if you've got your phone or your something open. But you literally think about this. Between the Word of God and the Spirit of God inside of you, you have everything you need to grow. 
God doesn't make you go to the store and have to buy the materials. He's given you everything you need. So as we think on this this morning and we look at it, how many of you want to be fruitful Christians? I think everybody's going to say that they want to be fruitful. How many of you want to be, have no fruit? Who wants to shrivel up and die in their Christian life and have no growth? I don't think anybody would say that. We all want to grow. So let me ask you a question this morning before we dive into the message. How are you doing? Are you growing? Are you doing more for God today than what you did last year or the year before? And sometimes you can't just look at certain, there are, cert, there are times in life too where things get crazy or you get to a certain age where you can't do as much as you did before. And I get that. How's your reading doing? How's your attitude with fellow believers? Are you growing? The Bible tells us how to grow. And what you've got to realize this morning is you can't do it on your own. The Spirit of God and the Word of God is what you need to help you grow. So as we dive into the message today, it all begins with the foundation of faith. If you are not, and the Bible tells us in, in uh, John 3, verse number 3, it says, Jesus answered unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We talked about on Wednesday night how the natural man cannot understand the things of God. We talked about that on Wednesday. And we talked about the carnal man can't see afar off. You know how it's t- in all reality, if you're really looking at it, and I don't plan these things this way, okay? This is just the way it works out. Literally on Wednesday night, we read about the carnal man, how he's carnal and he can't really see afar off because he's not growing and these things aren't evident in his life. Where you see a spiritual man lets the Spirit of God guide and lead in his life. And so as we start today, you have to have the right foundation. If your foundation is right, not right, you cannot build anything upon it. I'm not a builder, and I don't ever plan to be a builder. But those in construction would let us know that the foundation is very important to what you build. Right? Any construction guys? Albert, I know you're constru- Isn't it important? Foundations are important. This building's been around longer than any of you have been alive. And for some of you, you're pretty old. Yeah. You are. And this building's older than you. And so I think, I think you're the oldest guy. I think you're the oldest one in the room here today. And uh, this building, 1896, you go underneath this building. And if you ever want to go under sometime, I'll take you under. I might not let you out, but I'll take you under. And uh, there's a few places you can actually walk around. On, it's right over in that side room there, there's an area you can actually stand up completely and walk all around. And, you, the wood on, and there's wood down there. And then there's brick below that. And this wood is like, <laughs> I remember we cut out the side room. This used to be a separate room. We cut out this wall here. And we probably went through 25 sawzall blades. The wood is that hard. And it's an actual two-by-six you know, you go by a two-by-six today, it's not actually two-by-six. These were actually two-by-six, and it took forever to go through them. And, you know, and I don't, I don't think a termite could do anything with it. That's why I guess sometimes you look, and you're like, look underneath this building, there's wood underneath here. What are the termites? Termites can't, this wood, whatever they did with the wood or whatever wood it was, it's good. And the brick down there, it was a good foundation, so the building is still here. It's lasted through earthquakes. It's lasted through a lot of things we've never seen in our lives. And it's still standing. Why? It must have had a pretty good foundation. 
You look at a lot of tall skyscrapers. They say, I'm not a builder and I can't. They say, like when I was in Chicago and went to Bible college there and seminary and things, they say that the, the Sears Tower back then was like the tallest building. It's not anymore, but the Sears Tower, and they've even changed the name now. But they say it's almost as deep as it is tall. Now, I don't know if that's true, but you better have a pretty good foundation on those buildings and because you get up in the top of that building, you can actually feel, it actually feels like it's moving a little bit when you're up there. I've been up there twice, and I'll probably never do it again. And so I'm a firm believer that when the Bible says, lo, I am with you always, that means the Lord wants you on the ground, not in an airplane, not in a balloon that gets shot out of the sky or anything like that and all that stuff. But anyways, you got what I was talking about. It took you a while. She's always a little slow with those things, but she gets it. A couple weeks ago, we got home from church, and then she started laughing. I got it, and I'm like, you just got it finally? And so I truly am funny. I really am. And if you just don't think I'm funny, you just don't have a good sense of humor. And uh, you're like, no, the problem is you really do have it. No, anyways, if you don't laugh, I won't tell jokes. If you laugh, I'm going to find more to say. That's just how it goes. If you don't laugh, then I stop. And so, but anyways, totally lost my train of thought now. The Sears Tower is supposedly almost as deep as it is tall because foundations matter. The Bible talks about foundations. Remember Jesus used the example. He said, those that hear my words and do my words, I liken them unto a man that builds his house upon the rock. And the rains come, the winds blow, and that house stands firm because it's built on a rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ in our lives. So he is the foundation. He is our faith. And Jesus said, there's also those that hear my words, but they don't do what I say. And I liken them to the foolish man, where he builds his house on the sand, the winds blow, the rain come, and the house falls apart because it's built on a bad foundation. So if we're going to talk today about growing and spiritual steps and steps to growth, if you're not founded and you're not basing it on the foundation of Jesus Christ and the faith, Jesus Christ you shouldn't start trying to grow anything on top of it because it's not going to last. So we have to start with being saved and knowing Christ. From there, let's see what the Bible says today about growing. Number one, we see, look at what it says there in verse number five. And I'm going to be down here some, I'm going to be up here. I might use my notes, I might not use my notes. We'll see what happens. And besides this, giving all diligence. You see that? It's, it's important, this imperative. It says giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now I, I did a lot, I do a lot of reading when I go through these passages and I love the way it was worded here in, in this word. This word add, I don't know if I love the word add right there. It has to do with nutrients and I've seen other places and other people use different things like supplements. How many of you take supplements? Why do you take supplements? You don't know why you take them? There were a lot of hands up a second ago. I take supplements. Why do you take supplements? Anybody know why you take supplements? Because we have a poor diet. So the supplements are supposed to kind of help with the poor diet, right? So there are things. So this is the thing. If at the end of the day, the only thing you have is your faith, you get to go to heaven. That doesn't change. Praise God. But you need more than that to grow which comes through the Holy Spirit of God, of God. So as you would take supplements to make up for your poor diet, in the world you live today, you need some supplements 
to help with the spiritually bad diet this world tries to offer us. Does that make any sense? I think that makes sense right there. So the first thing the Bible says there is you need to add to your faith. And at the end, I'm going to show you why the order matters. God doesn't do things by accident, okay? And I'll show it to you at the end. But first of all, and Caroline said I did a pretty good job writing, putting this on. Th- these are bricks. I could have used books or something. That was a great idea someone said a book. No, I went and bought bricks. These were 67 cents at Home Depot last night. And I just taped a piece of paper, see? You can't see the back very well. And so Caroline was, so I did a good job. So there we go. So hopefully you can kind of see this inside room. So you have your foundation of faith. You need to add virtue to that. Now this is the thing. You're like, virtue. Yeah, I know it's a word we hear in the Bible often. A virtuous woman who can find other words about virtue. It said earlier here that God wants, has called us to glory and virtue. Do you see that up in verse number three? Now, what does the word virtue mean? It's one thing to read a word, but it's something to actually know what the word means. And I would encourage you, when you study the Word of God, to look words up. Because you think you know, but you might not know. The word virtue, it means moral excellence. If you're going to add, and now this is the thing, we come into this world, do we have moral excellence inside of us when we come into this world? No. That's why, did you realize, and I think I mentioned this last week, I mentioned it sometime, I say a lot of things, and it all runs together sometimes. And so I don't know how some of you a lot older than me, how you even speak at times, because I'm starting to have things, I'm like, when did I say this, when and where? But when you look at this, you think about children. I, my, I, we have four kids. I never had to teach my kids how to be selfish. I didn't have to say, all right, William and Alyssa, I want you to take that toy and say, that's mine, and don't share it. Never had to teach them that. Why? It was natural for them to do. We are naturally not morally excellent. We are naturally selfish. We're naturally liars. You don't ever have to teach someone how to lie. They just pick it up. It's amazing how that works. You don't have to teach people those things. And so when we come into this world, we're not morally excellent. And when you get saved, you don't magically become moral. It's not like things magically, and some people, they want that when they get saved. I want a complete transformation. And it can happen. But what do you need? If you're going to have virtue and moral excellence is, you better get in the Bible. So as we look and we look today at steps to growth, this moral excellence here, in order to add that to our faith, it requires, to be in the Word of God, to study it, to read it, to follow God's Word, and to allow the Word of God to transform our lives. You see, a virtuous Christian is one who stands out as being morally excellent, and you're not going to get that on your own. You get that through studying the Word of God and seeing it in God's Word and that new man that He's given to you. So you need to add to your faith virtue. Number two, so you need to add to that virtue, knowledge. Now, we look in life, and there are a lot of knowledgeable people in life, right? And in all reality, those of you that have lived any length of time longer than me, you probably are more knowledgeable in the things of this world than I am. Because you've been around a little bit longer. That's why, that's why God gives kids parents. They've been around a little bit longer. They know what it was like to be a teenager, they know what it's like. And, you know, as a teenager, you think you got all the answers to the world. 
And then you become an adult, and you're in your mid-30s, late-30s, 40s, and you're like, I didn't have anything figured out then, and I don't have anything figured out now. It takes people a while to figure that one out. I don't know what I'm going to say in a few years from now. I don't have a clue. But we have a lot of knowledge, but now that we get saved, we have the foundation of faith, you need that virtue But as you read and study the Word of God, it will then give you the knowledge that you need. And knowledge is the proper understanding of the truth. One of the problems we have in Christianity today is we don't have any knowledge for the things of God. That's why I make it a big deal to teach doctrine. What we believe, why we believe it. Because most people don't know what they believe or why they believe it. Most people don't have a knowledge. And you get that knowledge from spending time in the Word of God. The Word of God will give you the spiritual knowledge you need so that you can be partakers of the divine nature, as it said in verse number 4. And then it's interesting to note, did you realize, really, the rest of this list of things to add are already in you from the Spirit of God? Now, before we get back to our text, go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter number 5. Hold your place there, because we'll be back here in a second. Hold your place. Here we go. Galatians 5, look at verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So when you get saved, who comes to live inside of you? The Spirit of God does, right? So when he comes, he brings these with him. Is that a wrong statement? I don't think that is. In your life, he brings those. Now, Just because the Holy Spirit's there and because he's brought those things with him doesn't mean we live those things out, right? How many of you have ever not had joy for a while when you should, as a Christian, have joy? Yeah, I've been there. How many of you haven't had self-control when you should have more self-control? Yeah, I'm there a lot of times, but he brings self-control. Doesn't mean I use it, but he brings it. He brings all these things. So this is what you got to understand. Before you add these they're the fruits of the Spirit into your life. You better get into the Word of God and get your thinking straight and get knowledge of these things so that they, you can apply them to your life. Do you see how that works? And we need to apply those truths. Because when you realize something, I hear people often, I just need to do better. In and that of yourself, you cannot do better. Do you know who my biggest problem is today in life? It's not Caroline. It's not. I am my biggest problem. You are not my biggest problem. I am my biggest problem. And sometimes I'll hear Christians, well, if so-and-so just did this or treated me better. No, 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 no. They are not the problem. You are your own worst problem. You and I are. And I know some, I am, yes, you are. The person you look at in the mirror, and as much as you love that person, we all love ourselves there, you know, you, we do. You are your biggest problem. I am my biggest problem. 
And so as we look here, it's important for us to realize you cannot grow in the Lord without the Spirit of God and the Word of God. We need those things. But this is the problem. We get saved, and we expect everything just to change. Well, we don't have knowledge. Our thinking hasn't been corrected. That's why we read the Word of God and realize, yeah, the old man, though you got saved, the old man is still there. And the old man didn't magically go away. And as long as you live, you're going to always deal with the old man. You don't want the old man to be coming and doing what he does, but the old man is always there. And so you need to get your thinking corrected and get your knowledge right so you can let the Spirit of God grow you to be more like him. You're supposed to have virtue. To that virtue, you add knowledge. Number three, you add temperance, which would be self-control. I had a very hard time with this one always. I still have a hard time with this one. I remember the year, the start of 2020, literally the end of 2019 going into 2020. And what a year 2020 was. I probably never deal with another year like that one again. But anyways, we'll leave that there. But there was a lot of good that came out of that too. A lot of new people came to our, a lot of good things happened. I'll, so I will live with that based on that. I get that. But the Lord convicted me that I needed to lose weight. I weighed about 338 pounds. And it was all muscle, but you know, muscle even... Muscle has its problems, too. People would ask me, Pastor, are you in shape? Yes. Round is a shape. I don't know where you went to school or anything else. Round is a shape. And so that was my shape, round. And I was proud of it, and I claimed it. You know, the Bible says the soul of the diligent shall be made fat, right? It doesn't say skinny. It says fat. Ha, 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 I know. The Lord convicted me that I needed to do something. Now, I had never been convicted before that time. And that's where you look at people and you look at and you're like, well, they need to change. If the Lord's not convicting them, and don't, don't you try to be God for them and convict them. They have a Holy Spirit that lives inside of them. God can convict people and take care of those things. It's not our job to convict them. And preachers are real good at trying to be the Holy Spirit for people. It's not my job. I can't even keep myself straight. I'm going to help you stay straight. No, I can point you to the truth, but I'll let the Spirit of God do what he needs to do in your life. But literally my biggest issue when it came to losing weight is self-control. Why? Now, was I just a pig all the time? No. Did I love Dr. Pepper? Yes, yes. Oh, Dr. Pepper. Any Dr. Pepper fans in the room? Where are you at? God bless you. You are good people and probably the best people in this room. It's just, man. And then there were some people in church that got me liking regular Coke, too. How many of you like regular Coke? Yeah, that's good stuff, too. Can't go wrong with that at all. You can when you drink a lot of it every day. And uh, so there was a passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 11, that talks about this man going to his friend's house and bugging till he got food. And he kept bugging and bugging and bugging and bugging. And because of his importunity, because of his much begging, the man finally got him the food. And Jesus said right after that how he would give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Now, these are the guys that he had already said, I've given you the Holy Spirit to go out. So they're saved. The Holy Spirit's there. A light bulb went off in my head finally. And it takes a while sometimes for that light to come on. But it came on that literally it's there. But I got to beg God to help me have it. Because just because it's there doesn't mean I'm living it. 
And so I heard Caroline tell someone a while back, and these were her words, not mine, that I have some of the most self-control she's ever seen in somebody. Is that true? And I laughed when I heard that. Because Brian doesn't have self-control. I still, I saw, I was at the store last night, and I, I saw this packet. I know some, some of you, alcohol is your problem, not mine. Dr. Pepper, oh, yeah. I, last night, I almost got one. They had a new flavor, strawberries and cream. I don't know if it'd be any good. I'm like, see if it's any good, but nope. I refrain, I refrain. Brian doesn't have self-control. But the Spirit of God helped Brian have self-control. But do you see how in order to get to that point of growth, there had to be some knowledge? And I've been a Christian a long time, and that passage never clicked in my head before. And it literally clicked. That's where sometimes you read a passage and you look at someone like, Are you, could you be so dumb? Couldn't you figure this out? No, be patient. Relax a little bit. Be patient with people. But if you don't get self-control, you can't be patient. Look at what your dad next. Add patience. Endurance. We look at this word, the meaning of this word, and go several different ways with it, but a couple thoughts with it. You want to, you, wanna, you know, I look at, pa- I see a lot of pastors that have messed up their ministries by the things that they do. And you know what I believe the issues come down to? They don't endure, stay, the word endurance or t- could also mean to be, st- to, to continue. If there's no self-control, you're not going to have the endurance and the patience to go on. That's why I felt for myself as a big thing I need to get some control in this area. Now, does that mean that all of a sudden I have it all figured out? I'm never going to struggle with self-control again? No. Wouldn't that be nice, though, if you, like, conquer one area and you can check that off and say it's always going to be that way? No, because these things, they need to not only be in you, they got to abound. Because when they don't abound is when we don't grow. So they're there, but are they abounding? That's the question in our lives. So we're supposed to take our virtue and add knowledge to that, add self-control to the knowledge, add patience to the self-control, which leads to godliness. Godliness is the next step. Godliness literally means walking in view of his greatness. Literally. So, think with me for a minute. This is, this is how it needs to be in the Christian life. We read the word of God, we grow, we get knowledge, we get to this point. Then we let the Spirit of God transform us from the inside out. Some self-control, some patience. And then people are going to look at you and be like, there's something different about them. They aren't just like everybody else. They're actually Christians. Did you know that Christians, the first Christians mentioned in the Bible, didn't go around to their city and say, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, Chris, I'm a Christian. They didn't do that. People saw them. They're like, they're acting like Christ. And they called them, they first called them Christians there. The world called them Christians. I like to be called a Christian. How many of you like to be called a Christian? I like that. Do you act like a Christian? And do people see your self-control, your endurance, your patience, and do they see that permeate? To grow, we need virtue, knowledge, self-control, 
patience, godliness. And guess what that's going to lead to? Brotherly kindness would be the next one. Say, so why? Now, this is the problem. You know why you can't get along with your fellow Christian? And we have some of that go on in our church from time to time and things. Because you ha- don't have any self-control or any patience and long-suffering. You're not going to love somebody that you don't have any patience for. Do you see how those things go together? They all tie together. It does. You've got to add these things. Now, this is the thing. I've heard people say, well, then, once I get virtue, once I get 100% virtue, then I will go on to knowledge. No, you're probably never going to get 100% in each of these in this life. We need all of these things. We need to be growing in each of them. And sometimes in our life, we grow in different stages. Like 2020, I'll say the self-control one went up. The patience one took a little bit longer, but it went up some. It's amazing. I've had people come to my office and just tell me what an awful person I am. And I don't know why anyone would ever do that. But do you know, before I lost the weight and before the self-control, I would throw it back at them and be unkind back. And do you know, there's been three instances since then. I think God does it every six months, has someone come in and do it just to humble me and keep me humble. I don't get mad. I'm patient. Why? Because I'm learning. Isn't that what the Christian life's all about? We're a work in progress. You're not going to be perfect. But you've got to grow. And wonder why you can't get along with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It might be you need to get more knowledge of what the Bible says that God's forgiven you and how God treats you in spite of all you've done to him. And when you realize that, you can be a little bit more patient with God's people. And you can act like Christ with God's people even when they don't act like Christ. Because isn't that what Christ did? Yeah. And then you take that brotherly kindness and you add unconditional love to it. That's the growth steps right here. And add to brotherly kindness, charity, and charity is love. It's unconditional love. But this is the thing. You'll never have unconditional love if you don't have brotherly kindness first. You'll never be able to get to this point if you don't have some of these things. It's all important. You know, we look at life, and some people say, well, and I've heard preaching where it doesn't matter what order. The, I've heard so much preaching on this passages, it makes me sick. Like, I hear, I've heard a lot of preaching where you have, you have to do these things. First off, you can't do these things. The, what you can do is you can yield yourself to the Spirit of God and let Him do those things through you. You're the vessel that He can work in. But as we look at this, I'll give you a good example. We're just about done. I tell our young people, and I stress this point, get to know the person before you love them. So they find this hunk, or this, uh, I don't know, hunk or chunk, whatever the case may be, this girl finds this, oh, he's so, he's so dreamy, he's so wonderful. Or this guy finds this girl, oh, she's perfect. She's beautiful. She's everything. I love her. I love her. And you know nothing about the person. Come to my office sometime and deal with people who've gotten married and they come to me later on. I didn't know this is what I was marrying. Oh, I know what the world's objective is. Then just live together and you can figure that all out. That's not virtue. 
That's not morally decent thinking. That's the world's way of making it work. No, what needs to happen is before you ever fall in love, you better get to know them. Because that knowledge is very important. You know where churches have their problems? I've mentioned how I know churches that are all law and no grace, or they're all grace and no law, and I don't want to be either one. I want to have grace and truth like Jesus taught. I want to be balanced in that area. But this is where it comes down to. You got a church that's all knowledge and virtue, but they have no love. Or you have a church that's built on love. And that's why people will come. It's so funny. People will come a few weeks, and I'll go visit them, or whatever the case may be. And right away, a lot of people will tell me, Pastor, I just love the church. Your preaching is amazing. And I'm like, let's see what they say in like a month from now. Let's see if they still love it. And some do, and then some don't. But a lot of people will go to a church a couple times, and they love the experience they have. And they have no knowledge of what truth they teach. And they're more concerned about the love, the experience that they have, than later on they find out the truth that that church isn't teaching what should be being taught. And then they have a hard time leaving and going someplace else because they put their love before their knowledge. Very important. These, this is an order on purpose. There's a method behind it. If you want to grow and have fruit in your life and not be unfruitful, you've got to have the right foundation. And to that foundation, you've got to get your thinking right and get the proper knowledge. And that will only come from the Spirit of God and the Word of God. You'll get it no place else. Hey, um, let me help you out there right there, Annette. Annette was going to take a picture, but she's one of those weirdos that's got to be perfectly balanced. There you go. For you, now you can take another picture. You, pro- you probably thought about that, didn't you? Oh, I saw you taking a picture. Oh, he did? One of you two. You two are that way. Caroline's that way. And so, and sad thing is, I'm starting to turn that way. But anyways, you need to be in the Word of God and get the Holy Spirit working in your life. And when you do, these are the fruits of the Spirit working in your life. They literally are. I think all these fit into the fruits of the Spirit. You know why we don't have fruit? Because we're not letting the Spirit do His job in our lives. We don't have fruit because maybe we don't have the knowledge that we should. A lot of people don't have the right knowledge. They think they can fix themselves. I've been trying to fix myself a long time, and I've gotten nowhere for a long time trying to fix myself. It's amazing that sometimes there will be appliances or something go out, and I think I can fix it. I'm a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. That's Brian Pattison. And I think, I'll fix it. And then Caroline's like, it's still not fixed, you know. <laughs> How long did that washing machine go? Man, we had a washing machine, this washing machine. They don't build things the way they used to. But anyways, I've call, I called someone out when we lived in the parsonage for this washing machine. They charge you 150 bucks just to come out. And then, then they say, is this part or that, whatever the case may be. So I went online, and Google and YouTube shows you everything. They really do. And so this, I had the same exact washing machine. And literally, there are four parts in this washing machine. And the cheapest one is $10. And the most expensive one is almost $500. It's the whole motherboard. So my thought was, I could replace one, two, and three. And then if that fixed it, wonderful. Or I'm not going to pay $500 for part number four. I'll just get a new one at that point. 
So, watched the YouTube video, took the back off, and I know it says, warning, only open this if you know what you're doing. I watched the video, I know what I'm doing. And so I opened it up, replaced that part, and for two days it worked great. And then the code came back up. So I had to order another part. Fix that part. I know all about that washing machine now. Replace the third part. I spent $110 on it. And it doesn't work, and literally the only last thing could be is the motherboard in there. And it's literally four to $500. So six months later, we got a new washing machine. <laughs> if I were to have called the proper guy out, or woman, whoever it was, they would have told me the motherboard's bad. And she wouldn't have suffered for six months. Didn't, I didn't suffer too much, but she wouldn't have to suffer that long. But I didn't, because I thought I could get it figured out. And I eventually did. It just took a long time. And some I'm seeing you're doing the same things. I see it with faces you're making back and forth. It saves a lot of money. It's a, it's a big deal. I can't fix myself. I can't fix a washing machine either. The Word of God proves that and shows me that and gets my thinking right. And when I let God work and Brian minimizes himself, and yields to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will produce these things in my life, which will be bearing fruit, which is, isn't that what fruit is? The fruit of the Spirit in your life, that's part of it. But these things are lacking when we're letting the flesh control us, and we're living that carnal life, not the spiritual one. So what we need, and let me just say in our church today what we need, we need the people of God to let the Spirit of God lead and guide them and get these prevalent in our church. We would have no problems today if these things were being worked on. We need those things. Without those things, without these things, we're miserable because there's so much God wants to do in us. And he's given us church, given you everything you need for life. In the Spirit of God and in his book, you've got everything you need. You don't have to have anything else. You don't have to have the greatest book that someone wrote about how to get your life fixed. And sometimes those are good. And good books, there's something good about them. But what I'm saying is you have everything you need living inside of you right now. You've got to get a proper view and a proper knowledge and let the Spirit of God work so you can grow. And growing Christians are happy Christians. I know, I'm speaking from experience in my own life, when I'm not growing, I'm not very happy. Like, I can sit here and sing a song about your goodness is running after me. And when I'm not growing, I'm like, your goodness is doing something in my life, but it's, it's not making me feel any better. I, you, just, you, you just know. There's so much more joy in your life when you're growing. And I would just encourage you to get in the Word of God, yield to the Spirit of God, so that He can live through you. Not you push Him to the side and you live your own life. Let Him live through you. That's what we need. Father, thank you.